Mr. President, we have multiple bogeys headed towards all major colonies. We're at DEFCON 1. What do we do? It's time. Call him in. Looks like someone's got a bee in their bonnet. This summer, prepare to feel the sting. Why don't you just buzz off? Make a beeline for this. Experience the thrill ride that's got the whole hive talking. That's gonna sting. The Pollinator. Welcome to Honey, I'm Home, the first Australian podcast for anyone who wants to get into beekeeping. My name is Jai Smith, and joining me, as always, is Ben, the beekeeper jury. On this episode, we speak to two biosecurity experts who work for the Department of Primary Industry. We talk biosecurity, why it's so important, and how to keep your bees happy, healthy, and safe. Please welcome our guests. Um, so yes, Mark Page, uh, work for the Department of Primary Industries in New South Wales as a bee biosecurity officer, surveillance. And my name is Rob Burke. I also work for the Department of Primary Industry, and I am bee biosecurity officer as well. When I first heard bee biosecurity officer, I did think about bees in bouncer suits, and I was just like, I'm like, are these going to be two giant blokes, <laughs> tattoos and earpieces looking after bees? But that's, that's not quite what you do, is it? <laughs> no, as much as we probably like to carry a big stick, um, <laughs> no, we're not allowed, but yeah. So t- so tell us about your role and kind of what, what that entails. So most of my role involved is part of the National Bee Pest Surveillance Program, so the National Surveillance Program for Exotic Pest or Disease that's not yet established in Australia. So that's administered by PHA or Plant Health Australia and um, Department of Primary Industries runs the program, the testing. So we do Newcastle Port, Botany Port and Kembla Port. Right. That's pretty cool. They're, they're, they're kind of like our front line ghost buses. They're the <laughs> ones checking out all the, the ships as they arrive, yeah? Well, I mean, early detection will be the key if we're going to stop an, you know, an incursion of an exotic. So, Yeah. Why is that important? Um, well, I mean, education in anything. Most hobbies we take up, we can't just learn overnight. And beekeeping is mm-hmm. one of those things that you will continue to learn many, many years, you yeah. know, over many years. So not an overnight experience. What's your thoughts there, Rod? Well, I think um, it's like a lot of industries, you're not good at it until you've killed a lot of what you're trying to do. <laughs> so, um, There's a bee uh, graveyard somewhere yeah, that you, yeah, you don't in, want to tell anyone about. In aquaculture, you know, you, you sort of get your credo when you've killed a million fish. Yep. Um, by that time, you'll be able, to, you know, be able to combat any problem that comes up. And with bees, I don't know how many million it is, but um, a lot of people make mistakes and yeah. kill beehives. Um, I still make some mistakes occasionally and I've learnt some this year. So they're always new challenges and until you've experienced it and learnt what you did wrong, you don't always know just how much you don't know. Yeah. And look, I can empathise with that. Look, there's plenty of times, if I'm being entirely honest, if it's a confessional right now, you know, <laughs> I too have lost my uh, share of bees and... Um, but it is a learning experience, yeah. So yep. if we can lend, uh, lean on these guys here, I'm sure that there'll be many happy beekeepers out there, hopefully, learning from 
our collective mistakes rather than making them ourselves. I had a question. I wondered, Mark, if you'd be able to help me um, start answering this question. You mentioned that you are uh, looking at those ports and you're looking at uh, Newcastle and uh, Botany, yeah? What are the things that, in terms of uh, bees that we're trying to prevent from arriving in Australia? So probably one of our b- biggest worries is varroa destructors. So it will impact heavily on our, our beekeeping industry. So the beekeeper initially, if it does turn up, management costs, they're always passed on. If we pay more for something or we have an incurred cost, we'll pass that on. So pollination reliant industries will have to wear a cost. Um, and then in the end, the consumer pays more for a product on the supermarket shelf because there's more management costs that are passed on. Yeah, I was, I was talking to Jai um, a little bit about this in an earlier episode around you know the importance of uh, the bees and the role that it plays, uh, the role they play. Sorry, um, one of the things that we we mentioned was you know those things that you've you've hit on there. When you're talking about varroa destructor, for for those of you that aren't in the know, do you want to unpack maybe what what we're talking about there? I, I don't want to take the words from out of your mouth, but I'm sure that there's a little bit that we can um, enlighten those that are listening at home. Well, basically the dirty little bee vampires that will bee suck, <laughs> suck all the goodness out of your bees, leaving you with sick bees that aren't as strong, that aren't as capable, that aren't able to do all the wonderful things that our bees can currently do. Yeah. And collectively that makes the other stresses they can normally fend off a lot more deadly, and yep. your beehives are never as productive, and you lose a lot of colonies. Yeah, I was I was saying to Joy actually, um, and this is one of the remarkable things about living in Australia and having bees in Australia that we're one of the and you know you're the experts. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but we're one of the only continents or countries in the world that at the moment doesn't have uh, identified varroa mites. Yeah. And, and that does put us in a great position there with um, our export products. We're not using miticides within our colonies of bees. So our products of wax and honey are the purest in the world. So a great opportunity for our commercial beekeepers to get a better dollar for their honey without those product contaminants. So, yeah, it's, we're in a good position. We want to keep it that way. And the mite itself, how, how is that transported? Like how, how does that get infected to, to, to hives and to, to ports? Generally on bees. So they, they can live off bees <laughs> for a short period of time, like we're talking about a small number of days, maybe a week maximum, but that would have to be very favourable conditions, but generally on bees and they only reproduce when they've been feeding on a very important part of a bee. You, you mentioned vampires. I think Jai might be getting a bit of a picture in his head, but maybe we need to talk around how you know what the size of the mite is and how you guys are actually inspecting uh, you know, these areas. I'm, I'm guessing it's a rather hard job to look through every ship that's arrived in every container, so there must be a way that you're doing it that doesn't involve you physically inspecting every boat so look, that arrives. There's, there's a lot in the quarantine services, the, the shipping companies and things like that. They're all aware, captains are aware, if they're coming across the ocean and they see dead insects, they notify generally our, our port authorities. And they would be met offshore. There was a similar incursion in Melbourne. Um, where that happens so the colonies are destroyed on the ship before they generally reach and then they do the quarantines things like that um so 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 these are boats of colonies coming over there sometimes a swarm will take up in in packaging crates and things like that or or a shipping container lots of room Um, containers and being so close to new zealand that's probably our biggest and closest uh Neighbour with uh, Varroa. So those so across the concern. ditch have got the Varroa. Across, across yeah. the ditch yeah. you got it. Yeah. So. And Fiji, a very Fiji. popular place for Australians to visit. 
yeah. role so, there as well. So early identification, the the, the ships are you know obviously uh, asked to to be checking that, but. I, I'm sure you know two really smart guys like yourself aren't just relying on a captain of a ship to be checking that out. No. So at each port we have sentinel hives, so active beehives. Sentinel um, hives. Sentinel hives. Love yes. The word, sentinel hives. Yes. So they're like the, terminated. They're the front line bees, and you wouldn't want to be a sentinel hive. It goes through <laughs> a fairly <laughs> rigorous uh, testing program, but most, mainly for the team. Yeah, the use of uh, sticky mat under the brood colony through a mesh, and then using miticides in those colonies to to create a mite drop. So that I mean, that's something that you guys are uh, in charge of monitoring. You, you, you're checking that. We we do that, and then all the results we go into Plant Health Australia. So we're also looking there for um, ruler fly, um, tropiolalaps mite, tracheal mite. So we do yeah. bee samples. Um, we're also looking for exotic bees, such as the Asian honeybee, dwarf honeybee, or the giant honeybee. Yeah, and the uh, I, I'm guessing you're also um, you know. All over the top of um, Africanized honeybees. There's something that we're, we're we're trying to restrict coming to Australia as well. We are. We do look for them. Um, they're a little bit harder to identify than say your dwarf yep. uh, honeybee or your your giant honeybee. But yes, we're certainly on the lookout for anything that's a bit odd, and we will yep. send samples in if we find a colony that seems overly aggressive or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and we can get some some sequencing done there to perhaps identify. But at this point, I don't think we've really found anything with massive. Africanized honeybee or no. killer bees. No, well, um, I'm, I'm guessing we might be able to, to, to hear if that ever did happen. One of the things, Jai, um, that you're probably not aware of, and um, you know, as a beekeeper, I uh, you know get regular updates around. Is any time there are those intrusions, um, when you're a registered beekeeper, uh, you receive those updates um, through, I guess, channels that you guys are managing. It's yeah, sending out alerts to a postcodal area if an American fowl brew has been discovered in your postcodal area. Obviously, we can't give exact pinpoint locations. It's person's yeah. information. <laughs> but a lot, of people, yeah. <laughs> yes, but a lot of people would like that. Yeah. No. We get asked constantly, um, can you tell me where it was? And, yeah. and it's like, no, sorry. But that is a prompt to say, you know, when you do get five in the next week or so, perhaps have a look at your brood box. Yeah. And there's some good changes coming through. In the 1st of July 2020, we move over to the um, Honeybee Biosecurity Code of Practice. I've got that in the mail. We mandate I, I read that That's in excellent to hear. Yeah, so yeah. you've read it all? I've read it and, okay. and I So you understand. can tell me everything. I, I, the one thing that jumped out at me is the, the need now to um, – and I, I, look, I may be uh, committing the fatal error here of overexposing my honesty, but there is a requirement now to do um, some sort of mite inspection uh, on a semi-regular basis so that we too um, – are informing you guys if there's something found yeah. inland a bit. Yes, yeah, so the Department of Primary Industries, we've encouraged Sugar Shake at April, the Sugar Shake month for the past two years. And sugar that's it's not sugar, a diet. Sugar diet. Shake, yeah, yeah, yeah Sugar yeah. Shake. Yeah. Yes, don't eat the bees afterwards. <laughs> um, but we've encouraged that over the last couple of years and we've certainly handed out a lot of kits and things like that. And what is that? Actually? But the, the mandating of the code will see that there will be two um, requirements to monitor for, for exotic pest. So a sugar shake is basically taking around 250 bees or a cup full. You yep. don't have to count them. Um, <laughs> and into a jar. Busy. Not 249. <laughs> and Jai's no, done really one brood inspection it. with me and I think um, he was blown away by how many bees there are on each frame. So yeah. 250 is not even quite, quite really what not you'd find many. on a frame. Yeah. No, sometimes you do two frames. But depending yeah. on time of year, there's all sorts yep. of different factors. So sugar shaking, so taking those bees into a jar with a mesh top. Yep. I'll give you one before and you go. Generally, and generally they're the younger bees off the brood area. Yes, that you so from the brood those. Yes. From. 
and then we're rolling them. We're adding an icing mixture through into the bees right. in the mesh, about two <laughs> tablespoons, and then we roll them. Now, this is friendly for bees. So we've got a lot of beekeepers. <laughs> no, I was about to say, is this some kind of weird yeah. bee torture? <laughs> no, they love it. Waterboarding um, for bees? <laughs> the highest and then we're giving them a good roll. And we do that for a couple of minutes, give them a break. We do that for a couple of minutes, give them a break and another minute or so. And then if we dust that out into some nice clean water, um, varroa mite is about the size wow. of sesame seed and would so, 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 okay, so, so we might be going so, a little macro here, but the, how does the sugar incentivise the mite to let go? They just lose their grip. Yeah. Uh, so, so mites, people think yeah. of something like a tick, so they burrow well, I'm, in. I'm picturing them. Latch, yeah, that's yeah. What I, yeah. latch on, but they're actually got very soft padded feet. Um, their jaws are more just sucking, they're not locking in. Yeah. So with that sugar shake, they tend just, to grip into hair. Okay. And so that gets in between them and just gets on their pads and they'll tend to drop off. Yeah, so we went to New Zealand recently and looked at Varroa over there with our counterparts in New Zealand. And I hope you were well and truly sugar shake yes. yourself before you got on the yes. plane. Yes, oh, I, I, um, yeah. I actually wrote a protocol. we were. <laughs> I wrote a protocol on that, which um, for anyone that's looking at Varroa, what they should do to stop it coming back. So we followed that. Yep. Um, we don't want to be blamed for no. being that. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke to Rod. Infamous. Yeah, I even didn't go and look at my bees for about a week yeah. just to make sure. Yeah. You know, it was, it's, yeah. once Redundant, you've seen them, yeah. it's it's bad. It, it changes you. But we did a sugar shake on, on some a bees and we got one varroa mite. We then did a fatal. So one, one in 200. Yeah. So, one yeah. mite for the 200-odd yeah. bees that you... It just shows that they're there, but, like, to, oh, okay. to do a full it's sample of the hive... not like a full-blown full infestation where it's, it's no, happening there's, there's the There's probably one or 200 mites in that colony, oh, though. Uh, maybe more, because you can't see them under the brood unless you open brood. Oh, under the cappings, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. So, but then we did an alcohol wash, which is a fatal test for This birds. is the one that I've, you know, I'm familiar yep. with, and, uh, you know, courtesy of YouTube, it, it seems to be the one that's quite prevalent. It's, it's more accurate. Yeah, um, but it's it's a but it's it's, it's, fatal. it's fatal. So uh, it's a hard sell. Yeah, hard it is sell to people who name expecting. who name their bees and queens and things. Yeah, right. Which no. we understand that happens, and yeah. we all get attached to pets and things. Well, memory's not that good. I like my dog. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but you know, it's, so it's, we don't want them to kill them. Yeah, we'd course. rather just have a lot more people looking. Yeah, than less people looking using a more accurate test. I think. Or, yeah, but. Really, it's not. We only got one more mite putting those bees through, through the alcohol, al alcohol wash. wash. Then so, a sugar, sugar so shake. So we got a half shake. the mites with a sugar shake. Yeah. And with, you know, with a thousand or two thousand people looking in New South Wales, that would still be a good opportunity to find mites if they were present. Yeah, okay. All right, look, just on that, and I know that you've, you've covered parts of this, but if I'm the backyard beekeeper and I'm, I've, I've registered myself and I, I'm, I'm, in tune with the the rules and regulations around doing those um, shakes. Um, what is it that we should be doing on a regular basis to make sure that we don't have any other uh, pests or diseases inside of our uh, hives? I'm most most people have a hive which has a brood box mm -hmm. and then a queen excluder, which is like a metal grid or a cage, um, a jail, and yeah. then they'll have honey boxes on top. And unfortunately, too many people don't go down, don't go down into that area. Mm. So, um, you know, we're all we're all promoting that you get down there often. Yep. You know, 
don't just go down once every two years when your beehive's not producing honey. Not working. Go down there numerous times during any season. Yeah. Um, and, and so the requirements under the Code and the Biosecurity Act are that you need to do full brood inspections at least twice a season, which for full, most – Full brood. Yeah. As I said, four brood inspections full, twice full a brood season. Full yeah. brood. Yeah. So you look at every frame in the brood box and you look at every frame very carefully. You would pull your excluder off. Mm-hmm. Being careful not to damage your excluder, you take that opportunity to clean it up, get rid of the extra wax and so forth. You would then work through every frame in the brood box, shaking bees off the frames, looking very carefully at each frame without the bees running all over it. Yeah. Taking your time, looking for any um, pests and diseases, um, with the most critical one being American fowl brood. So, uh, Mark, did you want to unpack what, what American fowl brood looks like in terms of, you know, on a frame? What 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 is a sign that um, we may be? You, you basically your main thing you're looking at initially for for the first um, infection signs are uncapped cells. Uncapped cells, yeah. So chewed cells. Um, there's a couple of reasons for cells. So sometimes it's they're capping it, but if you have a look in under that, they're the ones you look at. Um, or any dark sunken cells. If you've got an odor coming from the hive, like a foul odor, it is oh, called foul brood. There's a Oh, yeah. Guess, yeah, and but the, those people notice that smell. You can notice it straight away. Progressed, yeah. But those two kind of mandatory brood box inspections. If you're looking at one, doing one in spring, this is a minimum. One in spring and one towards the end of our summer. Um, you know, basically, you would, if you were going to find American fowl brood, you would find it in that period. Catcher. But an active beekeeper will be in their brood box more than twice. I was going to say, I don't know how. How did you land on the number two? What's, what's that's what will be mandated in the code. Yeah, but I mean, so, I, you but know, as I say, an active beekeeper yeah. will be in there more than that. We're yeah. looking at stores. We're looking at queen viability. There's all sorts of things we're looking at. Particularly if you've got to name all of those bees, you got to get in there all the time. <laughs> yeah, you see who's passed away. <laughs> Photo day. So you mentioned something before. I was interested in the types of bees that you don't want to. Uh, have come into Australia. You, you want to limit them. They had some great names. It was a giant bee, an African honey bee, a dwarf bee. What are they, what are they? What do they all look like and, and sound like? What's, what's some are bigger. <laughs> so the the giant honey bee is big. Yes. Um, it, look, it, in my it, head, it's the size of a small child. <laughs> probably the simplest simplest way with the giant honey bee would be yeah. to say if you saw it foraging on a flower, they're generally very early morning because they're a large bee. They don't like the direct light like of the sun. Bee side. No, Not so that. they're more shaped like a queen, All right. if you could say that. So a more long, slender abdomen. So mm-hmm. any bee you see foraging on a flower that looks like a queen, yeah, get a photo. So you, you, you won't find these bees in a, a European honeybee hive. It's no, just, just we're, lo- we're looking for them, what we do, what we call floral sweeping. So we look very early in the morning around the ports. We have mapping of where things should be in flowering, and we can check those areas, and we're looking for... Our own honeybees and making sure they are Apis mellifera. Do that's how you say it. I was I was I was trying to say it, read, reading it off the piece of paper the other day. I think I said it pretty close. Yeah, that's close, close yeah. enough. Yeah, um, you know, so we, we've, we're spotting them and we're happy with that. Yeah, um, but if it's anything else, and so far we've we've basically picked up nothing at this point in time. Yeah, right. so. Yeah. And you did say killer bee. What? Which one was the killer bee? Oh, no, that's a, <laughs> probably more reference to the old movies back in yeah. the day, you know, the swarm and things like that with the African bee. The African bees are very, you know, they're very aggressive and you do wear two suits and four pair of gloves and a helmet and all these kind of things to work with them, which really? is a bit different to ours. Really? But it's not here. And it's just genetics. But then again, you know, it was said the, an African beekeeper who came over here 
um, regarded our bees as poodles because they're very <laughs> quiet, placid. They don't deal with disease or anything, and their bees are mongrels because they don't affect. They're not affected by what our really? bees are affected yeah. by. So they're just totally but much bigger bees and just aggressive. Not necessarily a bigger bee, but they're just a totally different management. Really, they're in Africa. They've got honey badgers, lions, all sorts of they've, things they've, to deal with. They've, so they're um, tough. They've counted, you know, their environment. Can, now, look, I might, I might be wrong. I, I did read somewhere that the intrusion of the Africanized honeybee into America was from like a, a bad science experiment gone wrong. Is that correct? Um, I- it was science, and I think when his project was going to get had the pin pulled on it, he decided to let them go. So no way. <laughs> that was nice. This is like a superhero <laughs> origin story. That's cool. So um, a bit like, you know, that happens. People get very in- involved in their research apparently, but it took a long time for those bees to move up from Brazil. Yeah. Um, but they are now into the United States. Um, I was in Mexico about 10 years ago and I saw everyone scatter from a street and a swarm of them came through and they were pretty intense. Yeah, right. And they were like, having a go at the windscreen wipers and everything on the vehicle that I was driving. But then they took off and all the people came back out again. It's just normalised. It's just, it's a well, normal normal thing. They, they get used to it, I suppose. It's, it's... I don't, we don't want to get used to it. So you guys <laughs> keep doing your job and we'll, we'll make sure we do our job as people. Um, and I guess like one of the final questions is for anyone starting out, and again, you know, I haven't even bought my hive and everything yet, what, what, are the, what are the key things you need to know and remember First, getting into it from a biosecurity point of view. The most important thing for our biosecurity is registration. So yep. as a beekeeper, it's a registration, a registrable dealing with New South Wales DPI. Small cost per, per year, basically around $50 or something like that. Um, so you're registered for two years for around $100. You can do it online, service New South Wales, or you can print out a, a paper form and do it that way and post it in. Um, but it does part, play a big part in our system. If we do have an exotic incursion of, of varroa as such, um, and we know where it is, we can contact very quickly registered beekeepers around there and inspect their colonies. Great. And hopefully, you contain. know, yeah, contain. Awesome. I, look, I, I just wanted to say thanks for, for giving up your time to, to be here. Um, the, no if there's anything else that, you know, you're, you're sitting across the room from a first-time beekeeper, if there was one... Um, bit of advice um, we've got registration um, if there's another bit of advice you wanted to give to them now's the opportunity yeah he or she who dares wins so get under that excluder get used to your bees yeah don't pester them constantly but every couple of weeks have a look see what's going on yeah um, get to know your bees get to know how they're going um, Think about pests and diseases, and especially for new beekeepers, get a mentor if you can. Learn as much as you can. Um, there's education opportunities. Um, yeah, there's a lot that you can do to learn more because if you know a bit more about what you're dealing with, you'll enjoy your bees and you'll see their development as a colony and you'll also be able to start to predict some of the problems such as swarming, which is something a lot of people are probably experiencing now. One point there too, I also um, feel that the amateur beekeeping associations, there's a few of those in the state, um, plenty of clubs around, and they are great places for a, for a new beekeeper to go just to pick up that little bit of knowledge and perhaps pick up a mentor, someone yeah. that can assist them in their journey, yeah. Fantastic advice, thank you. All right, well, I've decided we're going to end every episode with a really bad bee joke because there are thousands <laughs> that I've now learnt, so I've got one for you. <laughs> 
Why did the bee get married? You heard this one? No, I haven't. Because he found his honey. (laughs) 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 Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please support the show by rating us on your podcast app, subscribing and sharing with a friend. To get honey, hives or your hive serviced, contact Benjamin Jury on Instagram at The Humble Hive Collective. Special thanks to Rob Peters for the creative, voiceover and sound design on our special edition episode ads. Find out more about Rob by visiting robpeters.org. Artwork by Gene Heaton. Podcast produced by me, Jai Smith, who you can find at Jai Smith on Instagram and Twitter or connect with us on Facebook at Your Good Get Better, the home for all our creative work.